You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week I am your hunk. I'm Doge. Do you know what cheer stands for? Chunk <laughs> evidence appearing real. Yeah. You uh, where'd the never mind. The it's a it's an acronym, but the H is lowercase. Like a element on the periodic table. So it's CH together as one letter of the <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It's made like of, it. of phenomes, not letters. I like that. Phenomenal. By the way, I'm yeah. Carter. <laughs> and a chunk is a gift you give yourself. Mm. That's very true. I've always said that, if I'm being honest. You did say something else that you rarely say. I don't say it very much. Why I have an idea. are you? Carter has an idea. I have uh, an idea as to why. Yeah, me too. I… <laughs> look, there, there are moments in everyone's life yep. where obstacles arrive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some people do it on purpose. They call that uh, hurdles, like in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, but for for most of us, they just sort of appear. And for me, this one is, uh, I'm not home right now. I am uh, in Houston at my mother-in-law's house. And uh, my four-year-old nephew is asleep. And so mm. I am recording deep, deep within three layers of this home. I am in the, the deepest, darkest depths. I am in my mother-in-law's walk-in closet. Yes. <laughs> surrounded Excellent. by hanging clothes. And that's why my audio is so beautiful and, you're, and you're crispy. Coming from the bowels of the podcast sanctum right now. It's the yeah, most tr- pure environment for recording audio. Tr- yeah, truly, was- I have implanted myself deep within the realm of uh, audio beauty, surrounded <laughs> by hanging uh, flannels and nice tops. Yeah. I, uh, it was fun that you were the last person to join the Zoom. It was just such a perfect reveal. Because, you know, Zoom has that fraction of a second that you really don't see anything but just a blank screen. And then the, the vision pops up and there you were. Just just shadow like, face. Because of the, yeah, because of the overhead light, you're like silhouetted and your <laughs> expressions are completely inscrutable. It's funny because so it, it feels like you're being uh, protected, right? It's like… Yeah. But someone like could I, easily just do research on your closet to find out who you were. Like you like picked I such should, a bad place to be interviewed. I should be like, yeah, we never thought that it would happen that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Yeah, and I did I did slack last night and warn you, oh, hey, I will be in a closet tomorrow morning. Yes. That was but you amazing. never thought but it this would was look better like than this. this is better than I had expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's working out free, great for uh, me. A, a, a free pro audio tip for you. Your closet in your home with all your clothes around you, the best place to record audio. Hands yep. down. I'll tell you this. Uh, my version of our uh, intro for the podcast is uh, was recorded in our friend uh, Ben, our friends Ben and Hannah's closet on a whim. No way. Oh, we did. That was Remember your, that? that was the voiceover intro for our Star Wars series, wasn't it? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. It, uh, we we just <laughs> grabbed a mic and walked into <laughs> like, a closet. We we're like, can I we forgot use about a closet that. for a few seconds? <laughs> that's amazing. So, you know, that's that's back when we were how's scrappy. The temp- how's the temperature in there? It is. Uh, I would call it stale. 
It yeah. doesn't. There's no AC in here. So that is the just, downside of closet-based recording. Is you with get a every sweaty. word, it becomes more humid and more warm. You're living in your own exhalation. <laughs> I'm going to die. No, we have spent too much time talking about this closet and not enough time talking about uh, the sort of what I would call like the, 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 the Jill and Hall of it all. Um, we are continuing our Chooser's Choice 2.0 series uh, where each of us is bringing an actor and two movies from said actor. Uh, this is the fifth movie, my second, the second of my actor who is Jake Gyllenhaal, and that movie is called Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Not to be confused with the X-Men character of the same nomenclature. Nobody's thinking about X-Men <laughs> characters this week. Now we are. Yeah, no, there's no... There's no viable reason to even be thinking about Fox's X-Men series this week. Not one that I can think of. Doge, before we talk about this movie, I do need you to synopsitize me, Cap'n. <laughs> Extra syn- syllable and synopsitize. Synopsitize. Synopsitize me, Cap'n. This week's synopsis is written by IMDb user rcs0411 at emailprovider.com. That's the kind of email address that sends you spam. Yeah, totally. That's the one that, that would send me a text from that email somehow. It would yes. be like, do you need me to clean up any trees that fell down? It's me, tree guy. It's me, your, it's me, your pal, RCS0411. Lewis Bloom is a guy who's a thief and a hustler. He yep. wants to do something else, only thing no one wants to give him a chance. One day he witnesses an accident. And while the CHP helps the driver, some men show up and record the whole thing. He learns that they intend to sell the footage to a TV news program. So Bloom decides to get into it. He starts small. Eventually, the station where he sells his footage to is impressed with him. Later, he comes across a murder and gets there before the police do and records the dead bodies. But he also manages to get the killers on tape but doesn't give it. Instead, (laughs) he intends to wait till he can call the police and record them being arrested but it doesn't exactly work out that way. Dude, it has been a while (laughs) since we've read a synopsis that was just kind of whack on all counts. A real stinker? I missed it. Yeah. I think. It it lends a real nice energy to a movie conversation when it includes things such as, he gets the footage, but he doesn't give it. He gets, but doesn't give. You know? It's the the parallelism of those opposites. I love that there was still like the vernacular of trying to leave a cliffhanger at the end. But they they screwed up everything else before so much and jumbled it up that it has zero effect. Yes. Zero effect. But what here's, we'll do he, soon. Here's exactly what happens, but you can't predict it when it's happening. Somebody dies, but it's not him, and it's not anybody but his partner. Who could it be? <laughs> so... Um, normally what I do at this point in our Chooser's Choice episode is I ask you guys why you picked this uh, Pitch it to yourself. Actor, I want to hear so. you pitch it to yourself. All right. <clears throat> hey, Jordan. Uh, yeah, Jordan. Why'd you pick, uh, why'd you pick Nightcrawler? Oh, I'm glad oh. you asked. Hello, you. John. Oh, that hurt, <laughs> oh, John. Hello, John. Oh, John, that hurt. <laughs> A real dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> is this what, is this what it's normally like? Yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, when we start talking and you goof on top of it, it's almost exactly like you're you're doing a cool Tony Hawk grind on top of our words. There's not supposed, first of all, that's the best imagery for what this podcast is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, 
I'm just tired of the comedy. I wish we could just talk serious all the time. I'm sick of this. Be serious. Ew. Tell us seriously. Tell us seriously why you picked this movie. Guys, in the most morose and intense way I can think of it. Now, this movie for Jake is… Uh, I mean, Donnie Darko is a little bit grim and a little bit out there. But this movie is just on another level for yeah. Jake. The, Jake did not get an Academy Award nomination for this movie. and that That's is, bananas. It's a travesty. It really is. That it's, is it's honestly… <clears throat> I wanted that to be my super dump. But I don't really want to pick things that are outside of… Right. Space-time. So, yeah, that's really stupid. It's just crazy. Like, the, Jake… So, the reason I picked this movie for <clears throat> Jake is because this, I think, shows the extremes that he is capable of, both physically and, um, like, portrayal, portrayment, portrayal-wise. Yep. Um, he is just so capable. Like, any part in Jake Gyllenhaal's hands is going to be… A success, I think. I have yet to see him swing and miss in a role like Lou Bloom that is so… I mean, he's just playing a skeleton with skin on top of it. That's all he is in this movie. But he is… I mean, this is a dark, weird, out there movie. And never once does Jake feel out of place in this role. Um, And, you know, with Donnie Darko, you get this young confused, in-over-his-head kind of a guy. And both of these movies are Jake Gyllenhaal playing these characters that are in situations they didn't think they'd find themselves in. But they're such opposite ends of the spectrum because here in Nightcrawler, you have this guy who is at least a sociopath who has no problem diving headfirst into any of this. And he's, he's over his head, but by choice. And I think for me... It's just portrayed so well that you never doubt that Lou is both capable of anything and un- and willing to do anything. Right. Um, and that is just such a, a tasty treat to behold. Yeah. I had, you know, I, I instantly in watching this movie, well, it feels like our third in a row where money is the main antagonist. Sure. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I was geeking out on like persuasive tactics between uh, Alonzo and Jake in yeah. Training Day. Man, there's there's so much going on with how uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character communicates in this movie yeah. that I, I wish if it wasn't so ripe with expletives and just being <laughs> really dark that I could just take little 30 seconds of it and show in my class. Yeah. Sure. Because he is so manipulative Dude, that was that was almost my super pump. Is the language he uses, and the fact that it's like all the the self taught like business class that he says he took a year ago, and the fact that he has totally co opted that business jargon to gaslight his poor sweet partner. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Who? I mean, I don't feel like I ever get enough Riz Ahmed in my life. Not even close to enough Riz Ahmed. But he, I forget that he doesn't come in until about thirty five minutes into this movie. Yeah. yeah. Because he is just so good. Anytime he's on screen, that you want to talk about in over his head, he is somebody who every time he plays a character who is just being swept up by the world yeah. around him is so convincing. Yeah. Yep. In the casting calls, uh, a lot of people were really going heavy on like the pothead type vibe because it was almost written like that. But they said when they saw Ahmed's version of it, it was just so sad. Yeah. That they were like, this is this is it. Like it has yeah. to be him. Like we 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 need to feel sorry for him. 
I think from the first moment. And I, mean, I think that character we could obviously so do. easily have been like season one Jesse Pinkman, where it's like yeah. Yeah. you're kind of just kind of scummy. Yeah, but he really right. is not. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. He, I, I think there is something immediately sympathetic about the way that he approaches Lou in that diner, which I know we're jumping way far ahead in our story, but like, nah, who cares? When they're sitting in the diner and he's just saying, like, hey, how much does it pay? And Lou tells him it's an unpaid internship and he's, it, it, he doesn't walk away. He's just like, oh, man, like, I can't do that. Like, is yeah. there any way? Like, there's something so innocent about the way that he yeah. is duped. Yeah. It's it's tragic too because it's it's a string totally. of decisions that he made before he even meets Lou that get him to the point to where he's so desperate he needs to take this job. Right. To where only to have the penultimate bad decision be the one that literally ends his life. Like this is the most unlucky guy. Like yeah. Yeah. it's so sad. And you're supposed to feel that though, right? Uh one of the things that I love in some of the director's notes was that which this did this only got one nomination for anything, which let alone not J- Jake not being nominated. So he was one, I think, of like seven or eight actors that had a nomination for literally every other movie award show except wow. for the Oscars. Wow. Which is just so bizarre. I don't um, get it. But the only nomination it had was original screenplay, um, which which makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, but in talking about writing the story, they were pretty insistent on... It's Bloom, right? Lou Bloom? Mm-hmm. Yep. They were pretty insistent on Bloom um, not really having too much of like a backstory. Like they wanted us to feel like he was bad from the start, which is why we get like, he's he's wearing a watch the entire movie from assaulting and maybe killing a cop. You know, it's like, yeah. we from the very beginning, it's like there really hasn't been something ahead of that to say, well, he used to be a good guy, you know? He's right. just he kind of this childhood. evil entity. Yeah. No, he's just a presence. Yeah. Bless you. I That was a closet sneeze. I barely heard it on the Zoom call. I would be shocked if our listeners could even hear that. I think it's Dude. lost to the depths of that closet forever. The heat of the coffee and the lack of airflow. I'm just glazed in sweat right now. Oh, sorry. We'll check in with you again later to see how that closet's treating you. Yeah, please do. We can leave all that in the episode. I want people to know that I'm suffering for their beautiful show. Listen, we don't cut anything. We don't edit. We literally do not sure. cut a single thing out of this It'd be show. a really great time to cut to whatever's next. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that introduction to Lou. Just kind of the whole opening sequence uh, with stealing the copper wire and the watch from the security officer. Um, it does a lot to... This movie does a lot with very little, and I don't mean resources. I mean, it's fairly minimalistic and simplistic in its storytelling and its character building. Yeah, it economizes its time really, really well. It really it feels kind of like drive to me. Yes. Uh, which much. is funny. Yeah, that that him and when he's talking with uh, him and Ahmed's character are in that Rick. diner. It's this Rick. That's the same diner that uh, Gosling has that crush on the waitress in Drive. The oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's the same one from Baby Driver, too. I don't it's think all so. the I driving. No, I made oh, it. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, I was like, okay, cool. It's, it's that also one's one of the, in Atlanta. It's one of the diners in Cars, too. Oh, yeah. It's also cars the diner two? from… Or Cars also. It's cars the diner two. from that famous painting. Yep. The one of the guys screaming on the bridge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> that diner. Uh, no, so… I don't know. We open, we open this movie on Skeleton Man, Lou Bloom, stealing mm-hmm. copper wire… Uh, assume, I mean, that cop's not, at minimum, he's not conscious anymore. Right. Like, I do want to, he is a private security boy. Yeah, a security officer. 
Um, but then, so we get this whole interaction where he is pitching himself to the guy that owns this scrapyard. And that right there is kind of everything you need to know yeah. about Lou Bloom. It's all the like entrepreneurial business jargon that makes that so gross to me. Yep. Yeah. And the way, so we also have his reactions that are just not how a human reacts to things. <laughs> right. You know, his like, his head nod and finger point as he walks out the door. But like, yeah, I think you're right. It's this like business mumbo jumbo that clearly he has just thrown together this pitch that he has rehearsed. Yeah. Um, and is ready to sell himself to get this job. But then we see him turn that around on Rick. Like, it's the same speech, essentially. Yeah. Just about what he wants in a in an employee. Um, and And I think that's, I don't know what, necessarily in a real world sense it's supposed to tell us about Lou but the way that he practices laughing with TV shows the way that he um, has these back pocket speeches ready to go that are clearly rehearsed um, the cold way that he approaches the tragedies that he's filming he's detached I mean that's what I'm saying it's minimally that he is a sociopath yeah. Uh, Do you think he's practicing laughing? I love that take. I have never that, thought of that. That's what I assumed. Yeah, I never thought that either. I thought he, it shows, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of a, a fun look at some imagery of, you know, because in that scene, a, a knight's head is getting lopped off and then we make a joke out of it, right? Like it yeah. was all for fun. And so it, it kind of went with how morbid his actual story arc is. I think the whole yeah, thing is a commentary, laughing at the, a commentary on the violence on TV. You right. know what I mean? Like there's that yeah. that whole thing. A lot of it is centered around shows like The Walking Dead where it's like The Walking Dead can show these horrific things but if they say one S word, you know what I mean? Right. Then they're immediately like, I can't believe somebody would put that on our TV. Right. Yeah. I think yeah, for, for me that scene, if, if that's I love that. him I love actually for laughing for real, that scene doesn't work as well for me because that's a little jokery. Like that laugh is a little over the top. But if if that scene is… For for me, the read is he's watching a show with essentially a laugh, a group of people laughing and going, this is the timing for that. Interesting. Mm. I don't know. He strikes me mm. as a person who in a vacuum with nobody around has no reactions to anything whatsoever, which is why he spends, he only screams into the mirror so he can see what it looks like. That's my read on it, you know? No, I think he's angry. I think yeah, he's angry too, but I think he's going to the mirror on purpose. Interesting. Hmm. That's always been my read on it is that I think that's he's, a fine le- read. he's legitimately yeah. angry, but he's screaming into that mirror because that's where he goes to practice his emotions. Interesting. Yeah. I just thought he was screaming to the, the mirror for the cinematography. For you the, know? For that production shot. I'm not yeah, going to fight you on that because that's a great shot. I'm not going to fight you either. Yeah. Didn't well, he, he freaking didn't he hurt himself? Ripped his hand open. Yeah. yeah. He had like oh, more than 40 stitches. Holy yeah. moly. That's why in the scene where where he's selling the the wire and stuff to the construction worker, his hand is behind his back. But wait, that scene happens before the mirror. Isn't that crazy? This is You're telling the only me that time they've done that. They usually shoot movies in order, but they made a special exception for Nightcrawler. That's crazy, man. That's honestly really crazy. <laughs> Can um, I super pump? Am I allowed yeah, to I would do love that? that. I would love that. My super pump is the scene in the newsroom uh, where where Lou is talking to Nina. 
You're jumping Jake. all over this story's timeline right now, but that's fine. Go ahead. Who cares? We tell people, listen, you got to watch the, watch the movie and we're going to jump all over it. We're going to walk wherever we want to walk. We're like podcast cats. There's no place that's off limits for us to walk whenever we want to walk there. Uh, that is my super pump to me because I think we see in that scene, uh, to me, that's Hall's best acting here. And this is whenever he's uh, extorting her. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Not in the Mexican restaurant. I'm talking about in the newsroom. Both times. Right. Whenever he's like, I think I have found the thing that I want to be about. Like that whole speech that he gives. To me, that is the most like deeply chilling moment from him in this. Oh, you're not talking about when he's telling her about how much money he wants. Right. Right. No. I'm talking about earlier than that. Earlier than the Mexican restaurant. Like okay. the very the very first time we get a long speech from him in the newsroom to oh, Nina. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, he was like, what you… Uh, Maybe that's not the point where he says what you pursue is as important as why you pursue it. But it's that whole idea, right? Right. When he's like giving his like, I'm uh, the kind of speech that it feels like he's practiced. And he's probably given this to other people too about other jobs. But just something about his delivery and about Rene Russo's reactions to his delivery. He's kind of teary-eyed and he's looking at everything. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And like that scene in a vacuum, that could be like… Like if this was… What's the Aaron Sorkin show? Newsroom? Jeff right. Bridges? Mm. If this was the newsroom, that's the most inspiring scene. It's not Jeff Bridges. You're right. Not, that'd You're be right. a good show, it but it's it Jeff, Daniels. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> You're right. It's dumber. Not That pace not is a little Bridges. slower. Yeah. Yeah. But like if this was in that, then that's this is the most inspiring scene. You know what I mean? And it's somebody yeah. like this scene in a vacuum could mean so many different things. And it's the way yeah. it's contextualized in the movie that somehow this scene with an inspiring speech from our main character makes me feel so gross. Hey, that's a. I love that because I feel that way about the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack sounds like it should be from an inspiring movie about football. Yeah, right. So does. many. Times. Well, he 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 would say that he approached that scene as if he was like confessing his love to her. Right. Yeah. He was he was giving it like our our you know notebook moment you know of just yeah. being like this is how I feel. And it, it with with all that I mean yeah I think the, the way we play with tone in this movie and the context of what's happening makes the tone sinister. But watching a clip from it, you would be like, this is a movie about a young man who found his calling and passion. Yeah, it's an inspiring movie about the good (laughs) that news does. And then in context, it's so scary and dark and creepy. Yep. Oh yeah, that's a great, that's a great call, Doge. I think, I think that is a really, for me, it's an underrated scene. I didn't give it that level of credit until you were talking about it that way. Yeah. yeah, it just blew me away as I was watching it. Pretty much. This whole, you know, I'm I'm not going to super pump Jake Gyllenhaal. He absolutely deserves it. Because sure. there are so many good written moments in this movie. And I, I want to find that, uh, I want to super pump those specific moments. But his, you know, save for our mirror scene where he just breaks, you know, uh, everything. Like literally breaks and emotionally breaks and spiritually breaks. Like the calmness that this character has the whole time is the most terrifying thing about him, I think. Uh, just yes. in everything that he does. But like him saying to Bill Paxton, who what a what an awful person Ugh. Bill Paxton is playing. What a nasty boy. But when he's saying, I really just want to grab you by the ears and tell you, you know, and, and like the way he's just calmly delivering that line, you can tell that the people around him are like, you're, something's messed up. So the moment yeah. that we do have Rick starting to actually tell him how the audience feels about Lou Bloom, 
I'm terrified for Rick. Yep. I'm like, oh, please yeah. stop. Please yeah. stop. I, I, I like the part where when Lou grabs Bill Paxton by the ears, Bill Paxton's like, game over, man. Yeah. Game over. It's really Game good. over, man. Bill Paxton's like, news over, man. And then no. he doesn't make yeah. any more videos for the news. That's true. Yeah. No, I, I so in that same vein with um the cold and calculated, when they're leaving the triple homicide house, they're running down that driveway. And he's giving Rick career advice while they're running away Ugh. from this triple homicide. It plays, same thing with Tone, man. It plays like a comedy yeah. in that moment. Like, like it, it in a vacuum, this moment where they're sprinting down this driveway with their camera equipment. And Lou is telling Rick things like, you got to show initiative. You got to, you know, you got to come in. You could have yeah. helped me. It could have been really good. Like, that feels funny. And then you zoom out for a second. You're like, this is not funny. Well, this like that scene, that scene could be Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, right? right? Running Correct. down that drive. That could easily 100%. fit in that movie. Mm-hmm. It, it is totally that. You are absolutely dead on. That's a Shane Black moment. Yeah. But the context is anything but that vibe. And so it, and, and I laughed. I laughed and then was like, oh, wait, that's not funny. Yeah. This is creepy. I don't know, man. It, there's something I liked this movie even more this time than the last time I watched I it. I did too. What, what number? What number time watching this? This is only number guys? two for me. Same. Same. Wow. 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 Um, I think Jake Gyllenhaal's transformation to play Lou Bloom looks like a lemur from hell. <laughs> <laughs> a demer. Expand. A demer. He's a demer. He just has these, those eyeballs. Dude, his eyes got bigger. I don't know how he did it, but his eyes are bigger than they usually are. It's the gauntness of his face. Did you hear his workout regimen? No. He was working, and you can never really truly believe what people say about, you know, like the Chris Hemsworth thing. He was 6,000 pushups in Mark Wahlberg was doing what Marines do. It's like, cool. I I probably believe that. But I'm doing a Marine workout. I'm doing a Marine work. Oh my God, it's too many pushups. (laughs) Jake Gyllenhaal supposedly was like working out. Like it was his job. So almost like eight hours a day of working out. Um, something that was for sure confirmed is every time to set, he would either run or ride a bike to set. So wow. he was not even driving during all of this to just kind of get that really muscular slash skeletal. Because he, he's not he's not like um, machinist Christian Bale, right? right? He's not like trying to play on this, you know, the wind blows and he just fades away. He does need to have a certain strength to him totally. to be somewhat intimidating, to be like, you know what? I think he could snap anybody's neck right now. And he definitely yep. holds that well. But yeah, something that he did was almost like, it's like the beginnings of makeup when you're trying to play a skeleton for Halloween. Right. It's like you just put the foundation on for, okay, these are going to make my cheekbones massive. He's got the face for, it's tough to say it in an original screenplay, that he was made to play Lou Bloom, right? But it's <laughs> right. like, because yeah. well, no one's no one's pointing and saying, well, well actually, I think, oh, Nightcrawler's coming out. Who do you think should play Lou Bloom? Like, nobody yeah. knows who Lou Bloom is. This only came out, I think, a year, maybe a year and a half after Prisoners, where Detective Loki is, like, pretty big dude. Like, I mean, he's not, like, thick. ripped or anything, but he's a thick boy. And then, Just what? in the neck. I feel the neck is the biggest yeah. difference. And then, yeah. like, a year after Nightcrawler is Southpaw, where Jake got pretty big. Yeah. So, like, his transformations are certainly not Christian Bale levels, but the dude is committed to the change for sure. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what people say about me when they see me picks, like, pre-quarantine. Mm. They're like, it was only a year, and he got pretty big. He got pretty big. <laughs> yeah, the uh, quarantine has been 
I've said it for a long time, but the last year of my life has been my Hall year because of all the body transformations I've gone through. I got into shape and back out of it again. Same. <laughs> Same. I'm trying to turn the car around, head back into it. But, oh, <laughs> dude, it's just like zebra cakes are back. I don't know, man. Oh, no. Are they really? I don't know if it, if they ever left the stores. They're just back in my apartment. They left my heart. Yeah. They're back in my life. <laughs> they moved in. They, they entered again. Um, but yeah, I think the eyeballs, I've watched that video and I'm sure I've talked about it on this podcast, yeah. but th- there's a few videos that sort of break down the way that Jake Gyllenhaal acts with his eyes. Um, and this I think is a prime example of this wide eyed, uh, I think they said the inspiration was a coyote. Like, well, sure. We keep it, showing coyotes on the TV. Like right. Every time mm-hmm. we're not watching the news or at night getting his head cut off, there's coyotes at the beginning of that that dog food commercial. Yeah. And, and, and Lou is that. Just this, this predatory night animal on the prowl. Crawling even, maybe. Um, at night. And I, I just, man, I we know how I feel about Jake. I could, I could wax poetic about this gentleman all day long. But instead, what I'm going to do is uh, take a little a little night crawl ourselves <laughs> over to Shoutdowns. Welcome to Shoutdowns. We're hard workers. We're never late. We'll never call in sick. We're always ready to go. We are the guys to hire. Listen, yeah. speaking of the guys to hire, we're the guys to hire for your extra fun uh, through Patreon. Uh, we do have uh, a couple Patreon options for those interested. We have the official tongue, official tunky, uh, official chunky <laughs> tier. It's the official tongue tier. We're gonna the give you a t- big kiss with tongue. Wow. No, it's the official chunky tier. It's three dollars a month. That's less than your avocado toast, you silly millennials. And we deliver onto that tier. Look, bonus episodes per series. Bonus. Uh, Voting in polls, which wink, wink, might be pretty important soon. And mm. the bonus satisfaction of knowing that you made it. The other tier. So glad we made the it. The newest tier. The sequel tier. Too official. Too chunky. It's two more dollars a month. That's a total of five. Still less than your avocado toast. That stuff's expensive. <laughs> Look, on that tier, you get access to our brand new Discord server. It is popping off over there. We are talking about some pretty important stuff. You're going to want to get in on that. Doge, what kind of stuff are we talking about in that Discord tier? Our beautiful, beautiful Discord babies have selected for us our final actor in this series. And that is a bold truth that I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag in because at the time of this recording, that has actually not happened yet. (laughs) But by the time this episode comes out, it will be true. I'm manifesting it into existence. And so, because they've done that beautiful, beautiful work for us, what we're uh, what we're going to ask you all to do, everyone who is listening to this, um, you can head to our website, twochunksandahunk.com backslash vote, uh, and you can can help us select the final two movies of this series. Um, for this last actor that we've chosen, we're going to have uh, a couple of choices for you to pick what two movies you would like to hear us watch and talk about. Um, so that poll is going to be up on our website. As always, official chunkies, uh, all our Patreon supporters, you get to participate in these polls twice. So be on the lookout for a special patron exclusive poll that you also get to vote in. Uh, what is something, guys, in y'all's adulthood that you kind of forget that you have to do? Oh, man. Put the trash out for pickup. 
Yeah. I was going to say recycling. So yeah, same. Same answer. Yeah, put the trash out for pickup. You know, I think, I think we have a lot of listeners that have been listening for so long and have been living their breathing lives with us and they're laughing. <laughs> that we'd recommend Sometimes. you take the trash out and stop listening to our show. Great plug, Just guys. Take the tra- hey, guys, don't forget. Take the trash out. No, rate and review. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think what happens is we get so comfortable with the free things that we're given. I don't want to get up on a soapbox or have a sermon about it, but... Um, you know, it's a season of supporting small businesses, and we literally are. We're probably even smaller than a small business. No, you can drop Micro the pad business. right here. You can drop and the pad right in here. Many of you have have like paid to listen to exclusive content, and that's great. And maybe you haven't done the little things, which are just rate and review. That so Denzel movie rate, that just came out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you can go rate and review this podcast, that that really does do a lot for us. It is not we are not trying to do that in in terms of like comparing ourselves to our competition because we both know there are none. Uh it's it's a matter of making sure that you can research us and find us so that people can find us and have that ag- algorithm of like what's top movie podcasts? Oh, this one has so many ratings and reviews. Please go do it. Please. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm going to super pump, or my name isn't Jordan. Wow. And it is tough, Jordan. Tough choice. So here's my super pump. It's two. It's two scenes. Wait. Hold up. You can't. Hey, tell me why uh, I can't. Because I don't, I don't want think you can do to. That. It just doesn't seem like it. Oh, okay. So it's two scenes. Uh, they're a continuation of each other. Uh, oh, there. Now that's that's doable. And I get to make my own rules for anything I want in my whole life because I'm Lou Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's it's when uh, when Lou is extorting Nina. Um, it starts at the Mexican restaurant. Oh, what you tried to make my super pump. No, I thought that's what you were talking about in that <gasps> broadcast room. Yeah. Because um, I was going to say we have the same super pump, but then I got excited. Um, starting in the Mexican restaurant, it's the most uncomfortable I've been in a movie in a long Ooh. time. It's deeply unsettling. The tone shifts so dr- drastically so quickly. Um, but when it really shines and continues is in the broadcast room when Lou is coming to Nina with the ultimatum of, look, it's going to be this amount of money because I say it's going to be this amount of money. And when I say the lowest I'll go is a certain amount, that's because I have clearly thought about it. And like that whole speech, that whole monologue, his vibe, the way she's just sort of shrinking from him, seeing this side of him, like it is the most perfect distillation of what makes this movie good. Yeah. Uh, I hate it and I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jake is on another level here. Rene Russo is on another level here. She was a great pull here. I'd say she feels like so a left good. field. Feels like a left field casting, but yeah. like such a good fit for this role. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, I I just I mean, look, let's look at let's look at her IMDb top four. She has Lethal Weapon four from nineteen ninety eight, Ransom from nineteen ninety six, The Thomas Crown Affair from nineteen ninety nine. And then 15 years after her most recent credit, we have her top build on IMDb, Nightcrawler, 2014. Like, 
I don't think it is she her casting in this feels left field, but I don't think it's left field to say she crushed this. Oh, no he way. He crushed this and they just collide here in these two scenes more than any other time in this movie. Um and I also love this is when we start to get a lot of the imagery of Lou being um like a disease, like a virus infecting everybody around him. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that I love that. And and I think it's just fantastic. Um like if I could if I could if I had to use a clip to convince somebody that this movie rules, it would be this broadcast room scene. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, Dan Dan Gilroy, our writer director, um, has written. He's got. He's a little bit all over the place. He wrote R- Roman J. Israel Esquire, the okay. Denzel Washington mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw, which was a Netflix movie. I never that saw had, that. And it's Jake. Yeah, it is Jake. Yeah, it is Jake Gyllenhaal. It looked really interesting. And Rene Russo. Um, it's Nightcrawler two. Surprise! It's the sequel. He's also the writer for Kong Skull Island. <gasps> what? Guys, we get to that watch that in a couple weeks. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That's That's so interesting. weird. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my super pump is a moment. Okay. Uh, and it is just in a nutshell. I, I love when the, when you can give me the character arc of a character in about 30 seconds. Um, and when Lou Bloom reaches the fatal wreck and pulls the victim Oof. into the light for the shot to Ugh. be better. Are you kidding me? Oof. Are you kidding me? That's a super pump for me, sir. Ugh. I remember watching this in theaters. This movie released on Halloween. And I remember mm-hmm. watching it in theaters and it was, I might as well have gone into a haunted house. Like, yeah. I was so spooked Ugh. by that. But there's also such a morbid realism mm-hmm. to his motivations. Um, which we see, of course, in the structure of the news channel itself. And Renee Russo is, if, if we're talking about people being infected, she's got it. Oh, yeah. She's got that fever. Um, but yeah, him just pulling this person, right? And that, and it's before he actually goes to the house and is just getting right up in the faces of the victims. You know, I think just the, the uh, progression of his... Uh, shot making ability is really disturbing and interesting to follow. And I think totally. our first moment too is, you know, he's super proud of Horror House. Uh well no Horror House was not that one. Uh the shooting where where the Yeah on the, the fridge when he moves the yeah. family photos up yeah. to the bullet holes. It's like, dude, how much of that is actually like happening? I know this is supposed to be somewhat of a caricature of a stringer, but it's it's wild. Yeah, the that first shooting house um with the bullet holes in the fridge. And that's another example of the music playing sounds like it's supposed to be the first time somebody realizes they're in love with golf. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like my hockey team just stopped fighting each other and we just scored our first goal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But what he's doing is so messed up. It's just yeah. this weird juxtaposition of tone and presentation. This might be the only movie... That becomes Stop talking. It's the only movie. <laughs> this might be the only movie. I've never seen a different one. This might be the only movie that I can think of that has gotten more problematic with age, but that actually serves the story really well. Totally. Yeah. Because I totally. think in 2014, we weren't all quite down with how bad misinformation is. Right. And how much uh, a heavily manipulated newscast can do some serious, terrible, terrible damage. Yeah. Uh, but… Like, I think if there's anything that recent years have shown, it's that people's perception of reality can be so easily altered by media they think they can trust. Mm, yeah. And it's just, 
it's just bananas how how like much more gross this movie comes. And I know that what I'm saying sounds like I'm one of those people that's like, wake up, sheeple, don't put your mask on. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not me. Yeah, <laughs> Virtually R- the opposite, Rene- I would say. Yeah, I would actually say completely 180 degrees from that. <laughs> yeah, Rene Russo, when she's first meeting Lou Bloom and telling him what to look for uh, and, and giving all of the demographics, that's so real. Like yeah. that is so- We only care about crime on yep. against white people. Wealthy white people. Wealthy yeah. white yeah. people. Pre- she says preferably by a minority, doesn't she? Ugh, yeah. It's so gross. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, again… That's why I'm not is- sure that she was infected by him. Because she was already there. Like no. she taught him how to be… She taught him what to look for. And he made her worse. You know what I mean? But I think she, it, it, it feeds on itself. I think she was looking for that existing already. And he was manipulating the stories to fit that narrative. And she became infected by the manipulation of the story versus finding the worst possible story. You know? I think he just gave her exactly what she wanted. I think that's correct as well. I think they infect each other. I'm not sure that she gets any worse. I think she just finally is getting exactly what she wants. It doesn't care how she gets it. Yeah. Uh, Lou Bloom is also terrifying in in how he is self-made that he is just teaching himself all of these things right. because of the internet. Right. You know, like that's another scary channel to all of this stuff. And I was just thinking about, you know, Jake is is perfect for the role in many ways. And I think one of it is some of the natural charisma he's able to use. Mm. And I'm not saying that Jake Gyllenhaal couldn't help but break through Lou Bloom's character. I think he intentionally used some of it. Yeah. Or at least someone who, who thought they knew what charisma was. Because I'm like, you can't, like Steve Buscemi, who we love from Fargo, kind of fits the role of Lou Bloom. But then when he's trying to be attractive, right? Like, and 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 yes, this is probably a directly a direct shot that he's well aware of, like at Steve Buscemi's uh, appearance. But he's just kind of fact funny it, looking in a general sort yeah, of way. In a general sort of way, but like the fact <laughs> that it is Jake Gyllenhaal who is is doing all of this, certified with the certificate, certified hottie. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Certified. I think it's just his natural magneticism. Magnetism. Magnesidery. Mag- magnet. Magneto. It's his general magneto, I think. Mm. His raw animal magneto that I think <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes him so. But I think you're right. Yeah, I think, I think in man, again, I know how I can get with Jake. But I think in the hands of a lesser actor, this does not have the same. Because he's not a sympathetic character. But the people falling for him are sympathetic because you can kind of get it. I don't. I don't see that at all. I don't think anybody's sympathetic except for Rick. No, I think. I think the people he's tricking, the people inside the newsroom that he is able to charm and go talk to, like uh, you so know, you know what I'm like the, the anchors or yeah, Renee, the anchors. Okay. Uh, the I mean, I'm talking anybody that he talks his way out of a situation with. Whether by charm or by deceit, they become sympathetic because he is so good at it. So even down to yeah. the detective at the end in the interrogation room, she can't pin anything on him. And she becomes yeah. sympathetic in that moment because he's slippery and we know that. Um, it, he, I, I'm not giving Nina a pass. I'm, I'm just saying that I can get how when he comes in as the antidote to her problem, the antidote to her ratings issue… And the way he presents it is, I'm the only one who can do this. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, And, and I, get, I get how somebody could believe Lou if he's got that level of charisma. Yeah. That's dangerous. That's like, that, that's like some Manson type stuff. 
you know? Yeah, big time. Yeah, I think overall this movie thrives on juxtaposition. Like having having him just shoot Rick and then like finger gun anchors and like, I can tell by your tie it's Friday. You know, yeah. just like immediately just be able to turn this on. Ugh. And he's giving Rick advice as he dies. Right. Or he's telling Rick, really, I'm the victim. He's telling the person who literally got shot in the chest three or four times that that Lou is the victim here. Sorry, Rick. You know, it, it's it's because you you had the power in the negotiation. You took my negotiative power. Geez. Are you kidding? His yeah. whole, like, to me, uh, some Breaking Bad spoilers, I guess, right now. But that show's been over for a long time. So if you if you haven't watched it yet, you really don't want to. Um, <laughs> but his, his whole thing of, uh, you know, what if it, has it ever occurred to you that maybe I just don't like people? That whole thing feels like it contextualizes all of his actions in the same way that that Walt in the last season, uh, when he's like, I did this because I was good at it. I felt alive for the first time. Like to me, it, yeah. it just totally brings into focus his motivation and any question of like, oh, what is this guy really? No, he hates people. He does not enjoy being around them. Yep. And so that's why he is so cold and callous. Sociopath. Yeah, very much. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think that, so let, let's talk about tension in this movie for just a little bit. Um, there are a few scenes here that are almost second to none, like all time scenes. Um, the, the triple homicide house, the horror house, um, is so tense and weird and it feel, it feels so wrong that it cranks up the tension for me. Like the fact that it's like, you should not be here. You should not be doing this. Well, the, I think the he, crib, yeah. the reporting, the, baby. the reporting on it when, when Nina is coaching them and saying, build it, build it. Yep. That's even more gross than him being in the house to me. Yep. So that is, that is a total continuation of that same tension separated by minutes of story. Like it just picks up where the house left off in such a beautiful way. Um, and she, Renee Russo, is in the driver's seat for that whole scene. I mean, she is yeah. just carrying that moment. Um, but that, I would say that, the um, the whole sting at the uh, Chinese restaurant all the way through the car chase, which Jake Gyllenhaal apparently did his own driving in this movie. <laughs> Fine. Which is <Okay>. nuts. <laughs> um, but all of that is so unbelievably tense. Um and then the the interrogation room, the interview room with the detective. These are three moments of different types of tension, all delivered so well. Yeah. Um, and and they're not even all necessarily. The moment isn't dr being driven by Luke by Jake, um, but Jake is in every scene of this movie. He is the antithesis of Hannibal Lecter in that sense. He permeates this movie every yeah. moment of it. One hundred percent. Is Nina? Can can there be any argument made to Nina being worse than than Lou Bloom? Were oh, that's tough. My knee jerk is no. She can't be worse. I think she's the same the same amount bad because they're both knowingly manipulating information, knowing yeah. knowingly manipulating people to get what they want, and and yeah. taking a platform that people trust as objective truth and using it to advance their own agenda. Yeah, I think I think she definitely fuels his bad. Um, like there's certain decisions she would have made that would have kept us probably only from this chapter of Lou Bloom's life. You're right. Like if he if he fails at the new stuff, On he's to going next. to end up being a bad a bad person regardless. Yep. Yeah, that's good. She was 60 years old when this movie was made. Wow, 60, born in 1954. That was crazy. I was just looking at the credits and stuff, and I couldn't believe that. I didn't even know they had babies back then. They didn't have babies. 
Um, I thought baby started during the boom. (laughs) May I super dump? Um, If you have to, I guess, yeah. It is uh, the the conscience of the newsroom. I don't even know this boy's name. Uh, The guy who who basically is the sole voice of reason at the CBS station. Mm -hmm. We need either more or less of him, but the amount that we have now, I think is wrong. I think we either, we need Frank. Frank. I think we either need more Frank. Uh, That's funny. Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie with Frank. Uh, (laughs) I think we either need more Frank uh, and need him to be like a bigger role and and like quit the, like quit the news over frustration or something. Like give him an arc rather than kind of just standing there and wringing his hands. Or if we're not interested in doing that, let's cut him, uh, you know, and just have like miscellaneous kind of anonymous pressure to stop being shady. But if we personify that pressure, I think we need to give it an arc. And that's incredibly nitpicky because it really doesn't bother me. But legally, constitutionally, I have to super dump for every movie we talk about. And that's just the rules. I don't make the rules. I just make the show. That's fair. I'll dump now too. I've always found dumping, super dumping to be kind of like yawning. You know, it's one person yawns, yeah. and then you just can't help but yawn. Um, so the so Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton's news crew, that wreck, that van wreck. Yeah. We are to understand that Lou Bloom did not set that up, right? No, I think he absolutely did. He did. He cut the lines, cut to the, the steering wheel, or the steering. That's wheel. right, or the brakes. Then, then he never hurt mind. the car really bad. It was a really funny situation. The first time I saw it. I, I, well, okay. Let's talk about the second time I saw it, which was just the most recent time. That feels like the right one. I knew. I think I had gone up to use, like, just to refill a water or something and missed the cut of that steering wheel. <laughs> and so when there is that wreck, I was like, wait a minute. I know this is bad. I know that. I feel like I know he did this, but I'm not totally sure. So my super <laughs> dump is out the window because I was going to say, like, happenstance. He just happens to wreck into the pole. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. I, I I have to shelf that then. I'll come back. I'll super dump into it. Well, bit. let me know if you tack on <laughs> to my think about it. I'll, go, I'll throw mine. Okay. It'll give you time to think. Um, mine is pretty small, but I, I did notice it bothering me on the watch, which is for the the pivotal role that they play, the nameless, faceless, generic drug lords didn't quite cut it for me as hmm. the one who gets to kill Rick. The one, I, And I know that that can kind of play into like, they're just a tool for, for Lou. Like it yeah. doesn't matter who they are. Um, I think I would have liked maybe some, a little more of the motivation behind the f- killing of the family of three and why they're still in LA and not long yeah. gone somewhere. Why do, you, why do you not just leave? Don't leave your getaway car parked on the curb outside your house. And now, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a criminal, but I think I could do a better job getting away than these guys. Right. So yeah, the whole like, just sort of like it's a drug thing, and they're apparently not very good at that yes. part. That just yeah. that falls apart for me a little bit. That's my that's my super damp. Carter, was that enough time for you? <laughs> well, we we are nearing the end of the show, there, pal. Stop, there, buddy. We can't we can't rate it. We dude. can't rate it until you dump. We can't. <laughs> it's so hard for me to dump when people are watching. <laughs> Turn your camera off. Oh this yeah, is so um, red. Not a not a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal's socks. What do they look like? I'll allow it. <laughs> exactly. Shouldn't that be memorable? <laughs> I'll allow. Uh, okay. No, I do need to super dump. How much does it cost to buy the Jeopardy thinking music? Could we get the rights to that? Do you think to put here? What is a lot of money? Okay. Here's and we know that it it 
is very diluted because I literally just came up with it because I had forgotten about something that happened but before. Night I think it's always good to show. What kind of a name is that? That makes me I've, think of I've, worms. I think it's good for us to show how human we are in the end. Mm. It makes us more relatable. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, mistakes happen. Sometimes it happens during your job. Yes. Um, but I did not like, I know I would have liked if the car was different. If the the fancy car he bought was not the big like hot rod looking type thing. I think it is funny that it is this bright red thing. And that may, might be because maybe he's watching a show like Magnum PI or he's watching something that makes him want to have that car. But I don't know. It was, uh, it felt like Bloom making a mistake because with how much he feels like he probably needs to be sleuthy, you think he would think ahead. So this was, this felt like one of the moves of him not thinking ahead in terms of like the color and the look of this car in general. Like he would, like maybe instead he would get Vin Diesel's black Dodge Charger. Sure. That red one <laughs> with the black stripes. Yeah. yeah. It, it just seems like I, I think the fear and what makes Bloom so scary is that he seems so methodical and planned out on everything that he does that to show any sign of a mistake makes him feel a little bit too like, there's my bad super dump. It's a little runny. Hey, gross. But what isn't gross is science. Uh, The same science that we're going to use to rate this movie, the scientific cinema scale is perfect and as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it. Buy that poster. The next best thing, let's buy it. Followed by rent it. After that is stream it and then forget it. And last but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I'll go. I'm okay. a poster boy. I'm going to buy this poster. This movie absolutely blew me away. Had no idea what it was about. No idea what to expect the first time I saw it. And it absolutely blew me away. This time... I obviously knew what it was about. I remembered it from the first time I watched. It still blew me away. It's a poster for me too. Uh, clearly, if you 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 need not go back sixty seconds to me really trying to find something find. wrong with this movie <laughs> and doing a little bit of a uh, what's the name of that game? Jeopardy. Where you just make stuff up. Balderdash. Mm-hmm. A bit of a bald balderdash. Balderdashian uh, kind of answer. Bardashian kind of answer, mm-hmm. but it is it is a by the poster for me. Beeping, this is beeping up with the Balderdashians. Yes, I think not only is this Jake Gyllenhaal's best role he's ever had, I would be very pleased but surprised if it's ever beat. And I think that's fine. Yeah. I think he can still make good stuff, but I don't think it'll ever be like this. Yeah, this is an easy poster. I mean, this is a layup. This is a poster for me, one hundred percent. And I even is have a, is this a favorite for you? Like a top five, top tenner? It's not even it's not even my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Um, what is your favorite? Probably Prisoners, to be honest. Uh, mm. It's just the perfect combination of my favorite actor and my favorite director together, and it's just beautiful. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I I don't. So okay, let me part the curtain a little bit. I um, I just watched Brokeback Mountain for the first time um, this last week. Um, Callie and I were talking, and we realized we had both never seen it, and we were like. Hey, why have we never seen this movie? It's a huge, huge deal. Like it—it's this enormous movie. Um, and then we realized, like, oh, conservative backgrounds. We never would have been allowed to watch something like this, you know, sure. because of yeah. the subject matter. And so we—we we decided to give it a watch, and it's incredible. Um, now I will say, it's basically a Heath Ledger movie with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Um, Jake is a huge part of it, but even in that, 
where I'm going with it is this. Every Jake Gyllenhaal role is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal role. Like I am, <laughs> I'm not capable yeah. of separating out Lou from Detective Loki, um, from uh, Donnie Darko. Like Donnie, he's Prince just of Persia. Oh, Prince of Persia, Sands <laughs> of Time. Like he is just. Bubble I boy. love Source Code. I love October Sky. Hey, like, source Code is Source Code is really yeah. good. Yeah, Jake is just magnetic and electric to me, and I can't. I can't help it. He's even kind of mysterious. He's a little mysterious. He's got some mysterioso to him, you know? Doge is disgusting. Yeah, he doesn't love that. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, it's just so good. And the poster is cool, by the way. Just the actual poster is very cool. It is. Um, Yeah, this is... The the final the final half of this Chooser's Choice series that we have chosen is just banger after banger after banger. It's dork. It is also dark. Um, uh, so what movie are we going to have a hard time figuring out something bad to say about next week? <laughs> Carter. Oh, you want me to say? I love that. It is uh, the second Francis McDormand movie that I have brought to the table. And it involves three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. So we're going to watch this. This is a very, very good, very dark film together. Oof. She's on the hunt again. So it's not quite March, but. <laughs> I want, I would, uh, you could say that again, partner. Yeah. Uh, I want to already start talking about Three Billboards. I haven't watched it again, but I've seen it so many times that I'm ready to talk right now, but I'm going to hold off. I've only seen it once. I, yeah, it's, well, I mean, I can't wait. Pretty good. I Two more times wait. before I can notice every billboard in it though, so. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll be there's over a, halfway I've heard, Just keep a lookout for the billboard. I've heard there's a hidden fourth billboard. No you to, way. You have to watch it what? backwards. With, That's the uh, sequel. Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> Four billboards still outside Ebbing, Missouri. They're still there, guys. It's just called Four Billboards. They're still there, y'all. And so, then it's Five Billboards is the next one. Very good. And then it's Billboards Tokyo Drift. <laughs> billboards The Reckoning. Now... Uh, don't forget, after three billboards, we will be continuing the finale of the Chooser's Choice series by doing two movies chosen by our Discord channel, or the actor, sorry, chosen by our Discord channel. The movies chosen by you, our dear listeners. So uh, get involved, get active, get proactive even. Um, it's going to be great. Now, to end today's episode, uh, I'd like for us each to uh, say our name and what the name of our news production company would be if we were a Nightcrawler. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders, and mine would be Triple VGN. Very, very, very good news. <laughs> I'm Doge, CEO and sole proprietor of Live Hot News Acquire Within. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Carter, and I'm uh, keeping the same manager because he seems to be doing a good job, and it's the LBNR, which is the Lou Bloom Newsroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll be having that. Live hot news, though. That's tough That's to beat. A tough one. Gotta get up pretty early to catch this one. Why didn't I say in the news? Mm. Mm. If only. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.